This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Let me welcome to the show, Miss Angela Matthews. Hey. Hey, welcome. I am super excited to be here That was December 22, 2015. Angela E. Matthews joined the Karen Hunter Show for the very first time as a tech marketing guru. Her next appearance, the following year, she was now fully into investing and making money. And now, fast forward, at that time, Angela wasn't married. She didn't have any children. Now she's the mother of two, beautiful husband. She done moved out of state. She's now running multiple businesses. She is a mogul. Let me welcome back to the show the one and only Angela E. Matthews. Welcome. Thank you. Hey. Hey, it's been a while. You look amazing. And I love all of the, the imagery around you, all of the wonderful uh, affirmations that you have. She has these these uh, messages uh, all around, like enjoy the little things and uh, flaunt your investor edge and be blissfully wealthy. All of these reminders of what we should be doing. Um, I wanted to talk today about freedom and intentionality. Like I need us to be intentional about the things. Things don't just happen. I know the lottery right now, the Powerball is up to something ridiculous. Let me see. I don't even look at it because I'm, I'm never playing it. $522 million. I know people go get the ticket. You know, they're going to stand in line with no mask and catch COVID. Y'all go ahead and do that. I will not. Uh, $522 million. There's no winner. There was no winner. Uh, I guess the drawing was whatever yesterday. Today's, tonight, I think there's another drawing. And I know every season we go through this, you know, these, these, what I would do if I got half of this, you know, because you're going to get half, right? So if I had $275 million, I would, you know, and then people start rattling off all the things they would do. But the reality is, Angela E. Matthews, most people who hit the lotto, several years after, they are right back to where they were before the lotto, broke. So there's clearly, it's not about the money. Nope, it is not about the money. It's not about the money. Even though we all think it is, and we all say every year, I want to make this much more money. And I'm going to, no one says I'm going to spend this much more money, which is really interesting. Everyone says I'm going to make this much more money. People don't say I'm going to invest this much more money. They were always out for more and more and more. And I guess our question today is, if you did have that much more, what would your life actually look like and how would it be different than today? And I want to freak it even more. Like when, when somebody asked me this last night, actually, I was having a conversation, a business conversation, and they said, what's your number? And I knew what it was. I said it because I, I actually, I did the math. There's like a number for me personally, and then there's a number for me in business, right? So they're, they're two different numbers. And my personal number is not that much. Why? Because I don't live extravagantly. I don't have a closet full of Birkin bags and red bottom shoes. I don't aspire to have, I got nice things. Let me just be clear. I like nice things, but you know, I'm not someone that's going to spend $10,000, $20,000 on a watch. Not me. I can't make that make sense. Um, I like nice cars, but my car is paid for. Actually. Yeah. I, I love to live well, but right now, my home is paid for like, and that was an accomplishment. I mean, a big accomplishment. And I feel like, you know, the freedom that that has brought me allows me to, to sit in some things, do some things, say no to some things. And I, that freedom means more to me than more money. 
or you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So what's your number? Do you know your number? When did you find out what your number was? Um, I think I've always had a number since I thought about money in regards to numbers and money, you know, cause I'm always thinking how much further do I have to run before I could just sit down? And then when I realized like, okay, well I'm sitting down, but is this the world I wanted to be in when I sat down? So it's like, okay, let's adjust the number a little bit. And so my number is not really that crazy, right? I think as long as I have at least 3 million sitting off in the distance, I'm good. Like, and my kids are good and my husband's good. Before it was a lot less when it was just me, because again, I don't need as much similar to you, but now we got to rope in other people's destinies with mine too. So now I got to accommodate for them. And as long as I have that much sitting there, cash invested, that's the key word. Right. I was going to say not cash, not cash. Well, access. I want to say I have to have access to it, but not cash, right? It has to be working for me. So as long as that number is always working and potentially easy to access. I don't got to work. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to do anything. And it has to be a net number. That's not like expenses and all that. It's not like fluff, fluff worth. It's net. So talk about how you arrived at the number. And I want everyone listening, you know, to be gut level honest about this number. You ask somebody, what's your number? Oh, I need $50 million. For what? Like, do you need $50 million? Well, I need to build a legacy. Da, 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 da. You know, it's like, does it happen like that? And I'm I'm watching so many people get wealthy in the last five years who literally got wealthy within like a calendar year investing mm-hmm. in different things. And the market has been, it's up 23%. It's up 23%. Some of you have money in a bank account earning 0.1%, 23% if you were invested in the market. And I think about when we first met and how I was, I've always been dabbling, but I've like been full in with the whole vision with the, with the dividends and all of that. And it has changed the trajectory of the way I think about money. What goes into that number that you arrived at that $3 million? So for me, one is if I'm getting an interest rate return of about 10% a year, even though investing in the stock market just overall has much more than that, as Karen said, 23%. Um, that's kind of what I need to live off of and to fund all the other accounts, right? And so that's what I'm thinking. It's how much do I need if I don't own a home or own where I live? How much do I need to pay a mortgage? How much do I need to retire my mother and other people that are invested wow. in my life, right? How much do I need to have, I don't know, five vacations a year, right? Because that's my happy number. I need a vacation in the winter. I need a vacation every season. Let's just be honest. And, and one for good measure, apparently. One and for just good one measure. just for, you know, randomness, right? And then what am I going to do in terms of giving, right? Giving is a really big thing for me, philanthropy, giving forward, all those things. And then what's my just feel good number? Like how much money do I just need on hand in case the world, I don't know, like goes crazy, right? How much money can I just grab in a bag and be out. <laughs> and so that's kind of how my my thinking goes. And when I say that number 3 million, it doesn't have to be a now number. It's just the number that I'm consciously working towards. Like we just invested in hotels, right? Um, and that's amazing. I love it. I never thought that would wait, be the case ha- for me. Wait, ha- so I was, I was talking to you earlier and I said, the, the you know, you came on as a tech person and each time you came on, you were doing something else. And I was thinking about how 
you know, you pivot, your pivot game, your ability to be able to look around and some of us don't, don't pivot, don't shift no matter what's happening. You know, I remember having this argument with my father. He was like, well, I remember when bread was 23 cents. I was like, the bread is never going to be 23 cents again, man. Stop telling me about, I bought this house for $24,000. I'm like, you will never buy a house in this neighborhood for $24,000 again. The world has changed. Like, stop being stuck in the past about, well, I'm not spending more than this. And I'm like, but have you checked the market lately? You know, it's it's weird how people won't shift with the way the world is going. What, what has uh, propelled you to pivot? I think for me, it's, you know when you have to pivot internally. I think a lot of us have that internal nudge where you just feel as if you're a little bit stale, where you feel not stale compared to what's around you, but stale compared to what you've been saying all the time, stale compared to what's um, being put into your spirit. You just feel a little like, this is cool, but I just don't feel as if this is what I'm meant to be doing right now, or at least this isn't my only purpose. And so a lot of people think that they have this one thing, this one career that they worked really, really hard in and they sacrifice so much in it. And that's why they have to stay in it or they can't venture out and do anything or learn a language, do something else to to stretch their brain. And we get comfortable and complacent. And that's something that I realized that, you know, once you're comfortable for too long, there's a bit of complacency in there. There's a bit of it's just, you're not evolving. And so for me, I think about consciously, what am I evolving? When I came on the show that many years ago, which is crazy, I can't believe that's a long time. <laughs> like seven years is, is a lifetime for some kids out there. And I was really passionate about tech and tech being in the hands of our people because tech was blowing up in New York City, right? And we were getting left out of it and people were getting equity deals and all this stuff, right? But then after a while, people got so consumed with being consumers of tech. And I remember this so clearly, and I point to it a lot because it's almost like my coming of age story on your show. And people are like, tech this, tech that. And they're on Instagram, they're they're on Snapchat. And I'm just like, ain't nobody paying you for this. You're on these platforms like it's your job and no one is paying you for it. And then I remember thinking, wait a second, actually I'm getting paid for it because I own Facebook. So go on people. Go be free and use your, up your life. Go look at other people's lives. Do what you want. Yes, I feel bad about it, but you have a decision to make and you made that decision and I'm getting paid for it. Wait, and you, that bought, made me feel you bought Facebook before it hit a price that I can't, I can't afford it right now. What, what was the price when you first bought Facebook? I must have bought Facebook. I mean, I remember when they uh, became public, when they IPO'd. And I didn't do it then because I really wasn't sure what the business model was and all that. But I remember definitely getting Facebook at maybe a hundred. It's now $339 a share. And I definitely bought it at a hundred a share, 150. It was one of those stocks that, especially because I'm an entrepreneur, we used to do Facebook ads. And then I heard my friends, my other peers talking about, they spend a hundred thousand dollars a month on Facebook ads. I was like, wait a second. Facebook's making money. And these are groups of thousands of people talking about I'm spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on Facebook ads. And so that was a no brainer. Even when LinkedIn was public, I used to own LinkedIn. Everything that I saw that people purchased that I even felt a little salty about, like say iPhones, it just made me feel better owning it. That's how I bought Apple when everyone was going crazy over like an iPhone four or six. 
you were like, I'm going to go crazy and buy. And I didn't get into the Apple game because, again, I got into the stock market late. Um, primarily, you know, I remember being one of the people, this is just gambling. You know, I remember that conversation. And there have been several people in my life that have shown me the light, and even before I met you. But, you know, once I figured out the dividend that I can get paid for a stock, even if the stock is not performing well, like, and I'm, this is the dis- disclosure. I'm going to tell you some stocks that I own, just like Angela just did. Do not go out and get these stocks because we're telling you about stocks that we own because it's too late now. <laughs> when we got the stocks, like I bought, I bought Bank of America when it was like eleven dollars, twelve dollars, um, and I remember it like it was yesterday because that is one of my highest performing stocks right now. Um, I bought, um, what, I got Star Starbucks when it was in the fifties. When it was in the fifties, you know, it's now trading. I think it's like a hundred and seventy something dollars today. You know, um, and and I right now I'm holding on to AT and T only because. I feel like it's not going anywhere, even though it sucks. It like the price is, it sucks and it's cheap, but I feel like it's not going anywhere. But I also, I'm um, like, it pays a dividend. Hey, you haven't cut their dividend, even though the price. And so I'm still getting paid in more shares of this. So I'm not buying more of it, but it's, it's, you know, I'm getting more every single quarter when they pay a dividend because I own that much of it. And I'm like, and they'll turn it around or they won't. And then if I do sell it, I take the loss, but I've been getting a dividend. So I'm, I'm struggling with that one, you know, but what's been fun, it invests me in what's going on in the world. Now I have a subscription to financial Times, So I'm seeing what's happening in the world, these lithium batteries and stuff. And I'm like, okay, solar, you know, and what it, it makes you a better global citizen, but also it invests you in the world that we live in, in terms of what's happening, because you now have to do your research about these companies. And it's not just about what I like. It's not like GameStop, which made no sense, but, but that taught, taught me something too. Anyway, we're with Angela E. Matthews and I want to spend time this year doing something I haven't done, which is to get into the nuts and bolts of how we actually build wealth. It's not just about having a vision for wealth and saving your money, but how do you actually build wealth? You dropped out. We're investing in hotels. What the hell does that mean, Angela E. Matthews? So it's funny because if you've been with Karen for seven years, doing what you're supposed to do, fighting the good fight to to becoming financially free, things just actually in your world, odds are not for everyone, but they're a lot better than where they were when you started listening. For a lot of people, it's evolved. And for some people, it hasn't. But for a lot of people, it's gotten better. And so then you get this question of now what? Like I said, you always have to evolve. And so I had a goal last year of owning real estate. And the residential market just really wasn't our thing. I mean, people were coming down to Texas from all over, flooding our market. And I was just not about to pay, I don't know, $300,000 more for something because of COVID. I just refused to. So but pause for a second. You're, you're in this big state of Texas, which is a very complicated yeah. state right now. Uh, it is very complicated. Shout out to Harrison County and Houston and Dallas and other areas and the rest of y'all. I don't know. But uh, the market became inflated because, you know, the real estate is valuable now, right? Mm-hmm. And so you were like, that is not a good investment if it's inflated. So you decided mm-hmm. I'm not going to invest in regular residential yes angela e matthews is here she was telling us how she got into the hotel game which is amazing she was gonna get into the real estate game so let me let me let's back up a little bit before we tell the story because i think a lot of times we put ourselves in a deficit 
because the deal is so good. How do you know you're ready to, to invest in real estate? So I think everyone has their path and you focus on one path. And then when you master that one path, you go, you get to go on another path, right? There are a lot of people who are dabblers and they'll dabble in this, the stock market, they'll dabble in trading, they'll dabble in real estate, and they don't actually get to get mastery out of one thing or the other. So I will say I've been wanting to pursue real estate for about three years now. And I had it on the vision board. 2021, I'm going to get my real estate, I'm going to get my new house, or I'm going to get my my apartment building or whatever that looked like. There was a point when I was going to purchase my office space because um, I didn't want to work out in a pandemic in my house anymore. And all those things didn't work. So there were opportunities that came that weren't a good fit for us. And with that said, is that I actually gave it up. I actually gave up the whole idea. I was like, you know what, I guess we're not going to own real estate this year. And we had a huge amount of cash just sitting there. And I don't like cash just sitting there. Some people love seeing their money add up in their savings account. But me personally, it gives me agita. Because I'm like, well, if you ain't working out, I got to go work. I have conversations with my money. And so... (laughs) This was a constant conversation. So so it's sitting in a savings account, earning nothing as opposed to to the stock market or in crypto or something, right? Earning a lot or more and you didn't, you get, you got fidgety. So that money was earmarked though for real estate. It was earmarked for investing and I wanted it to go towards real estate, but it was, oh, come hella high water coming out of 2021. You was going to go and start working. I don't know what you were going to be doing, but you were going to go figure it out. I would have just had to invest it in a fund or something like a low risk fund until I wanted that money back for something else. But it wasn't going to sit in that bank account because you still you start doing. I'm human. I'm going to start doing stupid things if I look at the money that could easily be transferred from one checking account to the savings account and back and forth. And and pause there for a second, you know, because we're going to cover a lot of ground today because this is the first day back. Uh, and again, the goal is to be intentional. So I need folk to really think through and listen to what Angela is saying, because um, we're all human. And you're right. You know, when I see money in my account, I figure out how to spend it. So what I have done to myself is when I get paid, I have automatic deductions coming out on the first automatic deductions coming out every payday. Automatically, my money gets wiped out of my account and it gets thrown into account that I can't touch. And once that happens, you know, and it's mostly now invest investment accounts, my, my, my brokerage accounts, because you're not inclined to go in and sell your stock. You're not inclined. It's not so easy to go in and sell your stock and liquidate and all that. So I have very little money liquid because if it's liquid, you're right. It's like, ah, you, it whittles away. I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't know where the the demons out there be, be like calling you to go do things, but I think that 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 what you just said it, it resonates with me. We're human, and we've been trained to spend money. Like for a lot of us, this is something new. I mean, granted, I've been doing it for years, but I still have a default, and then I have the like my higher self. And sometimes the default wins. It's the same thing with weight, right? My default just wants to eat a chocolate molten cake. I feel good when I eat a chocolate molten cake. Can I do it all the time? No, even though I really want to. Same thing for spending for some of us. Do we really need to go shopping on Amazon and really buy everything in our shopping cart? No, 
And we often don't, oftentimes we see that price and we're like, ooh, let me go back and adjust these numbers until we get to a comfortable number. But when you see a lot of money just sitting in your, in your accounts, you think that, okay, I guess I have a bigger Amazon budget. I guess I have a bigger travel budget. All these things get bigger in your head. And so money needs to be put to work. It's kind of like what my mom used to say, the um, devil uses idle hands yes. or something yes. like that. Same thing with our money. So that's kind of how it was for us towards the end of the year. I was looking at this money and I was also thinking about my kids. So I was like, well, you know, I could give a couple thousand to the kids, right? Because I have my business and I use my kids' photos on social media and stuff, right? And I do that intentionally. Yes, I want to be a private person, but I could also pay them for that. <laughs> and so I pay them for that. Oh, Aaron's so, like, wait, what? <laughs> so they have a, a, a the 1099? You have your kids fill they have a they have to pay taxes? So no, I give them just right under the amount that they have to declare. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. That's smart too. And, they, and you could do that up until 18. Accounts. Right. That, yes. That's crazy. And I love that. And they have brokerage accounts. Yes. And I put the money in the brokerage account. So I write them checks every year and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna write you checks. You guys gonna get paid in your brokerage account, even the one year old. Two days before the new year ended, I opened up his brokerage account. All right. That's a whole other conversation. Let me, let me yeah. table that. Okay. So end of the year, you got this chunk of money. How did the hotel thing come, come about? So I actually, I actually, so what happens is you start putting it in your spirit that you want something. I don't, some people operate from a place of, I'm going to put this intention out here and I'm going to make it happen all the way. But sometimes the things that you need to make it happen, just are available at the time. Sometimes you ever work for a goal and you work so hard and it just doesn't happen. Like you're doing everything on your side, but I guess the world's not ready for it. God is like, you're not ready for it on some level and it just doesn't happen. There were things I did last year like that where I was saying, yes, I'm gonna do this. And then the opposite would be the result. The opposite intention would happen and I would get crushed. And the thing that I wasn't working on would just happen. And I'm like, what is, the moral, what is the lesson here? Like be in flow. This isn't even flow. This is just not making sense. Like the thing I'm not working on is working and the thing I'm working on isn't working. And so this hotel deal was kind of one of those things where I had an intention. I'm going to own this real estate, thought it was done. I was like, you know what? I did my part. I saved the money. It's in the account. Lord, I don't understand. And then I met someone who was actually another instructor, um, another colleague, and she was telling me about her doing hotels. And I was like, you could own a hotel? Like, how does that work? And she sat me down and explained it. And then before you know, I actually met the person who owned, who created the deals. And then she just asked me a question, like, would you like to be a hotel owner? And I said, yes, yes, I would. <laughs> and it was the quickest investment that I've done to that scale before, because I knew I was ready. All the dots are ready. There were so many conversations that I had prior to this hotel deal in terms of understanding real estate in terms of understanding how does it work when I'm a limited partner, instead of understanding what's the payment schedule, what's the return, what's the multiplier, all of these things came to this conversation. And I literally got the text in November, like you're a hotel owner. Wow. Okay. So I could come to Dallas, um, 2024. <laughs> That's when I feel safe. I love okay. Not 2022, not no, 2023, no. 2024. When I feel like I can get on a plane, uh, cause people be acting out and not trying to breathe and stuff. Um, and wear masks. All right. And I could stay at a hotel that is owned by Angela E. Matthews. 
No, my hotel is in Indianapolis. What? Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Well, that's not happening. I'm probably not going to Indianapolis, but all right. So why Indianapolis? You don't have to invest where you want to live one <laughs> and you just have to invest where the numbers make sense. So that's a really big part about real estate that a lot of folks kind of uh, go wrong on. If you're an investor, I mean, am I living in Indianapolis? No, I have no desire to live there at all or Indiana, which we were thinking of moving to Chicago this year too, but we didn't. And I thought Indiana would be great. It's not for me personally to live there. If you live there, I'm happy you found a place to live that's making you happy. And so all this to say, it doesn't matter where my money is working. Go work. I don't have to be there. My money does. Okay. I'm not cleaning. I am not going to clean hotel rooms. There are employees who are doing that. Eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. If you are thinking about starting a business, and I, I wanted to do this day one on the on the radio, um, because a lot of us, for a lot of us, business is emotional. And what you're saying right now, Angela E. Matthews, is that it's not emotional. It's practical. It's b- bottom line business. And there may be a spiritual component. Maybe we could talk about that as well. But it's really, is the money working for me? Is the money working? Is my money being put to work? And is it returning an investment? And I used to make a joke, like, I'm going to pimp my money. Bitch better come back with, you know, like, you know, making making fun like what you're saying right now. Um, but that's really the the reason why we have money is for it to make more money and so they can free us right so they can put us in a situation to be able to make other choices or make choices period some of us are in high net worth um jobs making a lot of money but we're not free because mm-hmm. our money's not actually we're, we're making we're earning but we're not investing so we're, we're constantly playing catch up and then we might be over leveraged with real estate that is not bringing back anything so, so talk a little bit about that. So Indiana, of all places, the numbers made sense. The numbers made a lot of sense. And it was a deal that came with two hotels. So average deal comes with one. This one came with two. And I thought that was amazing because it's just, again, leverage. You know, I get to own two for one. So if one thing happens wrong with one, the other one can bounce back. And so I love that. And the person that is my partner, which is to tell you that you don't have to do everything yourself. If I had to say, hey, Angela, go figure out how to invest in a hotel, go speak with, you know, um, Staybridge and all these people. And I'm not doing that. I'm just not right now in this point in my life. However, I found a person that does it and she does it really well. And so we're partners and it's awesome. <laughs> and she gets more money. I'm, t- I'm cool with that because she's doing more work. But yet my money is making way more money than it would in something else passively. And so that's kind of how you want to think about it this year. I'm going to, I'm going to say something that's going to kind of push a lot of people and, and I'm evolving into thinking, how can I have my money make money for me in terms of if I'm making an example, let's say someone is making 300,000 a year, 200,000 a year, let's just say 200. How much of that is actually made by you? And how much of it is actually made by other things working for you? And The way I want to look at it is that right now, 60% of my money is made by me. 40% is made by investments or employees or other people. I want that number to get to 20% within the end of two years. 20% of my money is made by me. 80% is made by investments, right? And then it's going to go to 10% made by me, 90% investments. Then it will be 0% made by me. 
100% investments. So that's what you want to think about is that percentage. You don't want to think about a dollar sign number. You want to think about percentages. How much of your money is actually being made by you versus other entities? And the larger the ratio for other, and this is, this is how wealthy people are wealthy. Other people's money, they always talk about that. But that literally is how this is working, right? 866-801-8255. So if you are out there, let's let's take businesses, right? Um, and I mentioned a lot of people start businesses from emo- places of emotion. You know, my father took over his father's grocery store, right? Um, he the first person to go to college in his in his in his family studied business administration, learned how to do accounting, came back from college. My grandfather passed away. My grandmother was trying to keep the store open, literally feeding the family out of the store. My father took over the store and turned it into a thriving business. But he was getting up at five o'clock in the morning and then he would go to his job as a parole officer, come back after his job at five o'clock, close the store come home at midnight, reconcile the books, rinse and repeat. He did that every single day, didn't take a day off for 18 years. Now, that instilled in me a level of work ethic, but I feel like he worked too hard. I feel like that's a lot of work. And and listen, I had a good life as a result of that man doing that every day for 18 years. My brother and I, we didn't want for anything, but I didn't want to do that. Oh, I can, I, I know how to work, but that's, that's something else. Right. So my, my question is, you know, eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. as black people, I think it's ingrained in us to work, even though some people want to call us lazy. Ain't nobody working for 200 years uh, for free that are lazy. Lazy people would never do that. So we, we, we marvel at our work ethic, but this wealth is not built on your work ethic. It's not the Talk less about it. you the less you do, the more you make. And the thing is, it's not that the less you do, meaning that nothing is happening. It's just that something has to be done. It just cannot be you, right? And it's a very hard lesson, especially when we've got laziness and mental chatter in the, in the, in the, in the atmosphere. So for me, that's one of my worst fears is being called lazy, right? And so that's why I got to work doing something all the time. And even today we spoke on the phone and I was like, I'm just relaxing. Like I'm not doing anything. I'm in my bed. And after we got off the phone, I, I ate food and I went back in the bed. And yes, the, the work ethic person in me was like, oh my gosh, like maybe I should do this. Maybe I should like check out the site. I should do this. I should do that. I should like check out the investments. So I have the most up-to-date information. And I was like, no, you said you were resting today. It's going to happen. Right. And it's not because I'm lazy. It's because I earned it. And so this is something that you want to check in with yourself. There's a bit of ego in there too, right? How we feel good saying we're hard workers. We feel good saying that we are busy. We feel good saying that I've got this meeting and that meeting. I'm working on this. I'm investing in that. But really and truly, what is the payoff? We're we're exhausted. We're not spending the money that we're working so hard to make. We're not spending time with loved ones. We're not pushing the earth in any better place. It's actually very selfish. Like all of it just to have that I work hard label. And this is the thing that I'm not cool with anymore. 866-801-8255. Angela E. Matthews is here. She's here. 866-801-8255. We're going to take some calls. Let's go to the phone. Um, let's take, Gwen's been holding off for a while uh, in South Carolina. Hi, Gwen. Welcome. Hi. Hi. 
Hi, Karen. How you doing? Good. Hi. Um, l- long time listener, first time caller. Oh. Yes. Um, Welcome. Thank you. Forgive me. I'm, I'm a little. I'm a little nervous. Uh, I was listening to you, you ladies speak, and my my um mine is more on a on a um, spiritual uh, personal level. Um, I've been in IT since '84, uh, and what I have a burning desire to do is to teach anyone who want to know for free the basic computer concepts. And only thing I need is a blackboard, a little room, and people who really want to know. So do you ladies have any suggestions on that? Yeah. I do. So you want to teach IT? Yeah. Right. Is that what I heard? You want to teach IT? Okay. But I want want to give it away for free because I'm a firm believer that um, too much whom is given, much is required. And I just want to give back, you know. Especially Do you have an idea of the ages that you would, that would find this information most valuable? Like the age range of person? Well, what I'm finding out, I, I have 11 grandkids. And what I'm finding out, there's really not an age limit because the way I would approach it is that just to get the the uh, grasp of the uh, of the basic concepts, uh, I would do things like people who live in a big city, they have to ride the subway, and knowing that the computer only executes one instruction at a time, so we would write a program to ride the subway. So you know, using things that are familiar to everybody, or like for kids, mm, like we would write a program how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Um, okay, things that, de- depending on the ages, they can relate, you know, to what I'm trying to get across to them. So I would start with if if so I'm a, I'm one of those folks who are a ser- I'm a serial entrepreneur, um, and so you could tell me an idea and I'll tell you how to bring it to life in I don't know five simple steps. And so one is get the people around you who might be interested in this. I know STEM is a really big deal and a lot of people aren't actually able to access it, right? If, if the child isn't in the school district and when I say child, I mean anyone from kindergarten all the way up to college, they're not gonna have this. So if you have a blackboard or a whiteboard and that's all you need to just at least break it down in theory, then do a Zoom and invite people in your community, invite people in your family. You've got 11 that you just mentioned, right? Invite those people, invite the neighbors and tell them to invite their friends and just say, hey, we're going to work on a project um, where I'm going to teach these people tech, right? And you can just say it's donation-based. I'm a big fan. If you're going to do something for business um, to, to have some form of dollar amount equated to it because you'll burn out. And so for me, I know when we first started, the happy investor method, we had a boot camp, and something told me to charge for this boot camp and I charged like $17. And it was $17. It really wasn't going to make or break anyone's life. But I thought to myself, what I'm teaching is absolutely more valuable than two cups of coffee. 
And so for you, you might not want to start there, but even having it donation and donating the proceeds to something, um, just because you never know. What if one time you do this and you actually got to get a room and you have to rent something out and it's going to cost money? You don't want to have to come out of your pocket for that. The initiative should pay for itself. And I want to, I want to, Gwen, your heart is beautiful. And I feel like black people in general, I'm, I'm generalizing. Well, there's two schools of thought. I think a lot of people feel like I just want to do good. And I want to, cause I, I have some of that. You and I've had not arguments. You, you had to straighten me out about this. So <laughs> I'm like, I just want to give, I just want to give, I just, and you're like, uh, stop. <laughs> because if it's valuable, then you have to place value on it because the value that you place on something is how people perceive it. Right. And so, you know, and it's true. You, you know, <clears throat> you look at the Yeezys, you know, we we were joking. Kanye West said, you know, charges fifty dollars for a pair of socks, but people bought it. You know, and while I think that's insane, it also speaks to how we're wired. We're hardwired. And Gwen, your time, the the knowledge that you have is valuable. And and while you do want to gift it, there to me, I find like you have to place value on the things that you put out in the universe, and then you find ways to gift. You know, there's going to be spaces to give. Your thoughts on that, Angela? I agree. But I mean, the first time you do something, it's really nerve wracking. And if it's on your heart, I say, just get it out. And so you could just get it out. I know that I feel like I hear it in her voice that she's been thinking about it for a while. And I think when something is pulling uh, on you, someone on the other, there's someone on the other end who needs it. Mm -hmm. And so someone is actually tugging at your spirit right now and you're feeling the urgency to deliver it. So if it's the payment that's getting in your way, and you're thinking about that, then like I said, you can do it donation-based or not at all. Just do one class, see how it feels, and take it from there. Gwen, um, the Zoom idea that uh, Angela had, could you start a YouTube channel, do the peanut butter and jelly, do the Subway, do like five different, you know, classes that that require a code and computer science, post those on YouTube so that you have them, right, recorded, and then those can become, because every child has a cell phone, right? Every child, every child in Africa has a cell phone, even if they don't have electricity. And that would probably give you greater reach than the way you're probably thinking about it now. Is that something that you can do, Gwen? Yes, it's something I can do. And and, and both of you are right. Um, by the way, Karen, I'm a Taurus as well. I'm right in the middle. Um, my birthday is April 30th. All right. Um, yes. um, I, I have... Um, this has been weighing on me for years, and I'm approaching retirement age, and I I I, I was going to do it like in the evenings um, while I was still working full time, but I, I put it down, and then I, I try to move on, change my mindset to something else, but it keeps coming back to me. It's like it's really weighing on me yeah. to share this knowledge with whoever. Yeah. That's um, beautiful, and and it, and it has to be done. So you gotta you're gonna have to get it out. But I, I, want, I want you to put it in a place where you have ownership of it, where it's recorded. So maybe you record it on a Zoom or a StreamYard so that you always have it. And then you can refine it and, and, and build on it. But, you know, and also share it. You know, you can share it and make money off of it. You know, like I, I need you to take that one thing and, and do multiple things with it and not work so hard. Uh, but definitely get it out. And I love that you have that heart, Gwen. And thank you for calling. Call back. Call back. Let us know what yeah, happened. I appreciate your input. Yes, yes. Angela E. Matthews is here. We're going to be doing more of these. I, I don't want to call them workshops. 
I want us to be intentional about this year. The money that you have, I need everyone listening to my voice to be free. I've been saying that for the last seven years. Now it's time to actually enact freedom. Lorie Daniel Favors today was talking about Emancipation Proclamation and how it didn't free everybody. And it was a powerful, you know, when she broke it down. And it's something I knew. I live in Jersey. Jersey still had enslaved people when Lincoln signed that, you know, because they were part of the union. And they were like, you don't have to give up your enslaved people if you were in the North. But Delaware and Maryland and other 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 states also still have people in bondage. And we ain't going to talk about Texas. But, you know, you think about freedom. To me, that's the one thing as we head towards January 6th and the contemplation of a civil war in this country and all these other things. The one thing that I want to have the ability to do is leave if I need to. So that means get your passport, everybody, this year, just in case. Everybody should have a passport. Everybody should have a passport. But you also want to be have the, have the means to be able to pivot if you have to. And I don't want anybody to be at the mercy of a damn virus or a country at this point. And there's too much at stake. We've, we've worked too hard to get to a place to, to have it all taken away. Um, 866-801-8255. Angela, you want to say something before we go to the next caller? I love the fact of entrepreneurship and I love that Gwen just spoke about potentially entrepreneurship, but the difference between a charity and entrepreneurship. And I think getting paid to utilize your gifts is one of the most beautiful things you could ever do. And I do think there's power and knowledge here. A lot of us have worked so long and so hard and we could create such an easier transition for the next person. And it doesn't have to be a younger person or an older person, just person period. And you get to you get to be compensated for that, right? Like a whole business came out of me talking about how to invest because people were saying that they didn't know how to do it. And it's not that I thought I'm the perfect person to do it because there are a lot other there are a lot more people out there who are successful investors, but there aren't many successful investors out there showing other people how to do it. And there aren't many people out there showing other people how to do it who look like me, who have my gender. And People also really complicate stuff that aren't that complicated, I find. Yeah. And so they want, it, they want it to be out of reach. They want it to be out of reach. And so if you've got a skill set and you've broke it down and you've just you've, you know, put it into this element where it's just so simple to understand, then you should be compensated for that and you can teach people. You don't have to do it all the time, but it also helps out the government wants you to do it. Like our tax system is written for entrepreneurs to win. Yep. Eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. Happy investor method. Uh still going strong. How many happy investors do we have doing the happy investor method? Jeez, we've got thousands now. It's been going strong and it's been evolving into this beautiful thing where you've got again people who've been with me from day one and they're like, I did what you said. I'm up fifty percent. Now what? And so I love that people keep coming back saying, Now what? Cause it's pushing me to evolve and say, well, this is what we do. This is what we do. I remember when we first started, it was about accreditation and everyone was um, trying to become accredited so you can get in on these, these deals. So like example would be this deal, this hotel deal, it's usually open for accredited investors, right? This is how the wealthy keep their money wealthier. And this is what the government did to push down other people slash save them was saying, you have to make this much or be worth this much to get into these type of investments. And these are the investments where it's at. This is like where I'm getting a 20% for doing nothing, nothing, right? And so that's what we want. And I remember at the beginning of the conversation saying, we have to get accredited, just get to 250,000 annually or 300,000 a year if you're married or a net worth of a million. 
And we've had quite a few people get into the accreditation, right? And myself included, right? Getting into accreditation conversations and because it's earned income, getting taxes, getting hit with taxes. So you're getting punished for doing the right thing. And now I've actually just as of last year said, hold on, pause, pause, pause. How about we, it's great to earn more, but let's get our net worth higher because then the government can't tax us on it, right? And so get your accreditation through the value of your assets versus your actual work. Because in that way, yeah, it's about the leverage. It's about like, I have a beautiful accountant that I love and he's opened my eyes up so much to, to how the government actually, when we have our tax returns and they have all those lines on that 1040, they're actually like guiding you on how to take deductions. They wouldn't have put that line there if they didn't want you to put it in. Yet our accountants in our community, we only have like five of those lines filled out. Why? It's like fill out all the lines. Yes. And so every month I spoke to my accountant last year, every single month I was like, all right, what line are we doing this week? Where are we at this week for these taxes next year? Cause I wasn't fit and I have the same tax situation. I was like, I want to be like those people who, who are really wealthy and they get a tax return and let me decide where my money goes. Let me decide who I'm helping. I love it. 866-801-8255. Deborah Conrad on Twitter says some stocks may seem high, but they can go higher. I bought Google at $473 in 2013. What is Google? Google sell, selling at thousands of dollars now, right? She said, I bought Apple pre-split at $97. For the record, I bought Apple after the split in the 90s. It's back up. It's like, what is it at now today? I think like 150 or something. Uh, and that was just this year, I think, that it split. And they the had market. another split last year. Last year. That's when I got in. Last year. Um, but, you know, so it's never too late. She got in before the split at 97. I got in after the split and I've still, my, my portfolio it's 182. It's 182. Yeah. I bought it in the 90s when it split last year. And it's, you know, and I bought, I, mm-hmm. I won't tell you how many shares, but I bought uh, quite a bit. Uh, it's the market, never too late. It's not. It's she never said, the market late. is the place long term. Commit a small portion to the market or a mutual fund. Those of you who aren't playing individual stocks, because I think that individual stock game requires that you really dial in. You know how to read, you know, the, the earnings and the annual reports. And you need to, you know, if you're doing the dividends, you got to know when the schedules are and all that other stuff. But those ETFs, ETFs and the mutual funds. Talk a little bit about that before we go to the next caller. Yeah. And so if you don't want to do the individual stock thing, right, the individual stocks are funner, they're sexier, you know, you're going to get a much grander return, but you can still get in on the party, right? You don't have to go on the dance floor. You can still get in the room, bop your head to some music that equals getting a mutual fund or ETF. And so ETF trades similarly to a stock, but it's a group of stocks, right? And so a group of companies, a group of anything that has a common denominator. So an example would be, I don't know much about healthcare, but I will get a healthcare fund and it will have all the companies that are represented in healthcare. And you can just get that. You can get a total market fund, right? And I think BTI, Vanguard BTI is a total market fund and you can just purchase the entire market, right? If you believe that the stock market is here, it will continue to be here. Granted, it may have ups and downs, but overall it will always be here because our entire system is on it. Then maybe you might want to consider just investing in the whole enchilada, right? Just get the whole thing. And so there really is almost no excuse nowadays to not be in this conversation, to not be at the party. Granted, you might have different levels at it, but you should still be in on it. 
and and everyone i think even chase now has a, a etf uh called jeppy and you know there's a lot of different their real estate reits and uh all kinds of uh so, so like even there's even now a, a cryptocurrency etf there is a crypto yes. reit which is I weird mean, because no. Bitcoin was down, but the but the REIT was up last week, and I was like, that makes no sense. How's the coin down and the REIT is up? Makes no sense. But GameStop eight six six eight zero one eight two five five, and I bring up GameStop because Angela, in my in my um, wildest dream, there's a space where we can go, all of us in this family, and do what they did with GameStop. Oh. And and determine collectively that we're going to raise the price of a particular stock because it can happen. We saw it happen on a Reddit uh, timeline. People got together and decided to take a bankrupt company and make it <laughs> make it sing on the on the stock market. They did that. They manipulated the market. Human beings who got together collectively and made a decision that they were all going to buy and sell a particular stock. We can do that. I'm just saying we can do that. Yes. All right. And it was out in the open. It was, it was an open secret and it was nothing the stock market could do about it. It was beautiful. It was beautiful and ugly at the same. I was like, this is dangerous. But at the same time, it gave me ideas. What's COVID like in, in Houston? How are you staying safe? Well, in Dallas, I'm um, sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize. Houston's on my mind. Sorry. It's still, it's still Texas. It's interesting. I mean, Texans are interesting. It's okay. like death by a thousand paper cuts here. <laughs> what are, um, you, are you doing anything special? Have, have has COVID? Uh, have you dodged the COVID um, scenario? I mean, so far, I feel every, same thing with you. Every day, I feel like we know someone, another person, another person. And um, last week, we had a little bit of a scare where my husband was just feeling sick. I didn't think it was COVID. I thought it was just like we forget that we can get regular sick in a COVID environment, like regular cold, regular allergies. Um, but we tried to get a test and, um, we, we got the results 48 hours later. And so, I mean, that's really good compared to everywhere else in the States, but usually in Texas, it's like same day results. So people are still are getting it more here. Um, but it's still not as much as up North. We went up North, uh, for the holidays and I was supposed to go to a Christmas party in the Hamptons. The person who was hosting it got COVID. So we decided not to go there. Uh Smart move. Yeah, but we still went to New York. And when we got there, we didn't realize how crazy it was there. And so we just quarantined. We literally got off the plane, went to my sister's home in Westchester, waited for our flight back home and left. Like we literally didn't even go into the city, see the tree. I wasn't having any of it. I was just like, oh, no. Mm -mm." That's smart. That's smart. Keep your mask on. Uh, Speaking of that, singer Marion finally is, you know, first he was, you know, laughing it off when people were comparing uh, Omicron to Omarion. Uh, but he's now, you know, uh, I guess getting tired of all of the comparisons. It is a little funny though, with all of the memes with Omarion and, you know, cause the, you know, it is dancing around us. Uh, and he said, hi, this is Omarion. I'm an artist, not a variant. So please be aware that if you just so happen to run into me on the street, you don't have to isolate for five days. Uh, while it's important not to touch me and keep your distance because you know that's how it's supposed to be you don't need a negative test to dance to my music Uh, so he's making the most of it he said I know there's been a lot of confusion recently so my lawyers asked me to read this I am Marion am a musician and entertainer you knew that not a variant okay Uh, and the last time I had to do this was in 2000 when everyone confused Y2K with B2K 
Um, this ain't how it's supposed to be, but seriously, I, I want to wish you all a happy and safe new year. Peace. <laughs> Poor Marion. Oh, he's so cute too. Eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. Angela E. Matthews is here. We are intentional this year. I need people to be free. Uh, but more importantly, just informed. Like I know a lot of people want to start a business. A lot of y'all talk about business, but Angela just said something about the ratios. Are you spending 90% of your time making all of this money and your money's only spending 10% of the time making money for you? Like the balance has to be there or the balance has to be in your favor, meaning your money should be working way harder than you are to get it. I just, I love that. Um, And I'm trying to get there myself, Angela. You're inspiring. Let's go to Barry. Barry and Callie, welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Hey. Thanks for holding. Is he still there? Did Barry hang up? Barry? Barry. Okay, he hung up. No problem. All right, so as we manifest, you know, you talked about your vision board. How does your vision, because I I do my goals like um, the week leading up to the new year. I print them Mm -hmm. out. I put them in my daily planner so I have to look at them every day. And last year's goals were all about paying off things. And I have four things to pay off and I paid off every single one of them. And it felt so good. Angela to go back and I was like, yes, Kurt, I paid off all of this freedom. What's on your, I, I mean, not to get too personal, but what's different about your vision board this year? What have you, what now or what's next on your vision board? Or do you have one? this year world domination um no uh, <laughs> so this year i too started focusing on my um what i wanted this year to look like towards the end of last year and for my clients i did a 2022 intention setting called like um ridiculous wealth right like what does it mean to be ridiculous wealthy and i love the word ridiculous and wealthy because it's just You'd think they'd be opposites, but how could you not smile at that? Like, what does that even look like? And so this year I'm thinking about the feeling behind it. I know that a lot last year I worked really hard on self-care and it wasn't super pleasurable. Like sometimes self-care doesn't equal immediate results or immediate pleasure, right? But it's still important. And so now I'm starting to transition into, well, what is the feeling I have? Even if something might not be working, can I still be happy in that? Can I still hold the energy from the intention set months ago to carry out this vision throughout? Because that's what's really going to make it happen. And so my vision board this year is more so built around feelings. Um, Like, how do I want to feel when I step into my new custom-made house? How do I want to feel, right? Like, how do I want to feel when I write this check to an organization? How do I want to feel when I have a mentor and when my mentee calls me? How do I want, do I want to feel like, oh, is this person calling me? I don't want to feel excited. And so for me, it's really about feelings. It's about space. Um, Space is really big for me this year because things were kind of stacked on top of each other. Even though I took like an eight month maternity leave, I was still fumbling around in the background because I can't stay still. But I do think it's important to have space to assess where we are. And a lot of times we don't give ourselves that, the moment for us. A lot of us who are go-getters, we don't think about just taking a moment to sit down and assess, is this the track I'm supposed to be on? How does it feel? Does it feel the way I anticipated it? Is it working out the way I want it to? And should I actually pivot or still go in this direction? 
And so I want to have more space. And what that looks like for me this year is taking off like two days a week for writing, right? Mm -hmm. For writing and um, actually pontificating like bigger thoughts. But that's what it looks like for me. And how long have you been vision boarding? I've been doing it for like five years and five, I think five or more years. I have them under my bed, like the old ones, like it's stacking up like the rolls of Oak Tag. <laughs> um, and so, and I do one in the mid year too. And so I've been doing it for a bit and I think it's about a 50, 50 I've landed. So for me, I dream big. So there's a lot of stuff on these boards and some of it happens and some of it doesn't, but I don't know which ones are going to happen and which ones don't. So I still put them on there. And some people feel salty at the end of the year when they don't get everything. I actually just say, maybe it wasn't for me. And I get to decide if I want to put it on the next year vision or not. Or something changed. 866-801-8255. Cause you know, things happen, uh, pandemics and tornadoes and things happen outside of our control. Uh, sometimes within John and Callie, thank you for calling. Welcome to the Karen Hunter show. Angela E. Matthews, you're on with her. Hi, Karen. Hey. I, uh, I've been listening to your program, and Angela's spot on. I'm an investor, have many properties, uh, have monies in different areas. I went to three different financial planners about 25, maybe 27 years ago, and they said, don't have all your eggs in one basket. I'm a real estate broker, so real estate was, you know, easy for me, and what she was saying, you know, you just, you have passive income. And I just, just listening to her, I thought, that girl's got it going on. And I just, I just wanted to make the comment. Uh, just very, very good. Yeah, and I just, I help people out all the time that are starting out. Because when I started out, no one would help me. And I said, I'll help people out as long as they're willing to work. If a person wants a free handout, I can't do that. And, uh, but you know, she's spot on. I like what you said about, uh, student loans, uh, earlier, uh, you got a good show. You really do. And, uh, I just wanted to, I wanted to tell you that, uh, I've been meaning to call. And then today when I heard her talking about real estate and investments, I said, okay, Buzz, you need to call her. Well, thank you for, for that. Um, again, this, this show has been intentional from day one, uh, like what's the point of having a radio show if you're not going to feed people uh and that's been the goal from day one just want people to know things so that the world will be better because the more you know the more you grow the more you grow the better you be the better you are the more goodness you can spread it to the world and that's the that should be how it goes right angela and let me publicly thank you again um just like and gwen the caller with the um I would, I want you to call back and give me your number. Several people want to reach out to you. So I want to be able to, you know, be in concert with you, uh, as you work through your computer science, uh, lessons, but you know, it's important to have people to bounce things off of. Some of us live in silos in our own minds and that's a dangerous place to be. Um, I think to, to just have your own thoughts. You, we do not live alone. We're not in the world alone. And there's so many people with resources because of you. I went to your event, I met Terry Egioma. 
because of that, Terry has been like a blessing. She just this last year invested or invest and donated to my nonprofit, you know, which was was part of a challenge, which I didn't even expect. But, you know, we did a challenge together and she's like, I'm going to donate this much when I make this, you know. So it was like from the excess of her investing. Boom. Here you go. And as a result, now I'm able to bless people in Jamaica. So I'm paying it forward. But that that's what that looks like. And that started with you. Right. So this is the the circulation of money in real time. That's what currency is, right? It is, it is. And we all get to make each other's lives better. And I think that's kind of, I think we just never know where it's gonna end up. Like you just never know, you have to be open and you have to be willing, you know, similar to what Buzz just said, you have to actually want to help people who want to be helped. Right. And I think people think about it in terms of I'm not going to want this because I don't know how to get it. But the fact that you want it is a really big deal. That means it's kind of already yours. You just have to go out and make it happen. And so by I think by sharing what we know. Challenging each other. Holding each other to the highest outcome, you know, sometimes people we get stuck. We love our mess. We, we love our mess. It's, it's something that we we lean on as a crutch and sometimes it entangles us. And so like Karen said, having that outside person where they can just call you and spot you on it. You know, there are times when I've had to tell Karen about herself, yes, you did. know? Yep. And thank you. And, I and it's out of love, yes. you know, it's out of love and it's out of um, commitment to that higher version. And so you need to find people in your life like that. And if you can't find them, there are tons of online communities. We're in such a hyper-connected world there are tons of communities that you can find this, right? Don't don't stay where people aren't holding you to your highest. Angela E. Matthews, thank you for being here today. 